0: My name is Dave Hollenbach, the host of From Embers to Excellence. My goal is to explore the many facets of leadership from the perspectives of some amazing people. In addition to leadership, I like to discuss mental health, PTSD, and overcoming adversity. If you have a favorite episode, I would love to hear about it. Message me through social media or my website, and I will share some free tools to help you achieve your goals. Please like, subscribe, and leave a review. If you haven't purchased your copy of my book, Fireproof, please grab a copy today. Thanks for listening. Today I'm speaking with Stephen M. R. Covey. Stephen is the New York Times and number one Wall Street Journal bestselling author of The Speed of Trust, which has been translated into 22 languages and has sold over 2 million copies worldwide. He is also the author of the newly released Wall Street Journal bestseller, Trust and Inspire, How Truly Great Leaders Unleash Greatness in Others, which was named as the number one leadership book of 2022 by the Outstanding Work of Literature Awards. Stephen brings to his writings the perspective of a practitioner as he is the former president and CEO of the Covey Leadership Center where he increased shareholder value by 67 times and grew the company to become the largest leadership development firm in the world. A Harvard MBA, Stephen co-founded and currently leads Franklin Covey's Global Speed of Trust practice. He serves on numerous boards, including the Government Leadership Advisory Council, and he has been recognized with the Lifetime Achievement Award for Top Thought Leaders in Trust from the advocacy group Trust Across America, Trust Around the World. Stephen is a highly sought after international speaker who has taught trust and leadership in 57 countries to business, government, military, education, healthcare, and NGO entities. So that was a mouthful uh, <laughs> and probably just hits the the tip of the iceberg there. Um, thank you so much for joining me today, Stephen. I, I really appreciate it.
1: Wow, well, thank you. Thank you, Dave. I'm truly honored and delighted to be here on your podcast. Oh, Remember, nice. it's excellent. So looking forward to this conversation so much.
0: Yes sir. Well, let's uh let's dive in where it all began for you. Um you're the son of the godfather of leadership, you know, <laughs> Stephen Covey. Um where where would you say outside of your father's influence uh your biggest influence was?
1: Yeah. Yeah, well you didn't Say, uh, you mentioned outside of my father's because my father would be number one, yeah. And then I would say that I've been heavily influenced by, um, some of the, um, kind of the other gurus in leadership, the, the other godfathers, uh, Peter Drucker and his thinking on management, uh, Warren Bennis mm. and his thinking on leadership are, are big influences, you know, um, academically. But then also, I've really been influenced by some of the, the current thinkers uh, from Jim Collins and, and uh, Good to Great and, and uh, Doug Conant, um, who wrote The Blueprint and, and other uh, books on leadership uh, with Meta Norgard, uh, Touchpoints and, and other things, and, and really a variety of different things. Francis Fry, I think, is a great uh, thinker on leadership. And there's many, many others, too many to mention, <laughs> uh but but i i i i, I think this is a, a growing evolving topic that's so vital to what we need today is is better leadership in our world i think uh leadership is the enabling art that makes everything else better when we do it well and so a lot of different sources of that but i think you mentioned the the lead one which is my father and and uh, his work on Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, Principal Center Leadership, First Things First, that type of thinking is deep into my heart and soul, really. How
0: was it growing up with your father? Did you, did you play sports?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I, uh, I played uh, football and ran track. Um, my siblings uh, were also involved in sports. And we were just a normal family. Right. Like everyone else, we had a big family, though. there were nine of us kids, oh wow. so so, uh, and we were like the first audience for my for my father <laughs> and his <laughs> ideas. We were the guinea pigs. He started that's... he tested tested his ideas with us first, and and seriously, that's where the seven habits, um, us kids, we learned each of these seven habits when they were taught kind of individually, as standalone ideas. Before my father kind of put them all together into these seven, you know, be proactive. We're always taught that as kids of, of don't be a victim. Um, Don't just be reactive to what happens to you. You have a choice in between stimulus and response. There's a space. And in that space, you have a choice. That's your freedom. You can choose to respond based upon your values versus to react. And we were taught these things as, as uh, kids and, and, uh, you know, it was kind of, so it was, it was the life I knew. I didn't, I didn't appreciate how fortunate and blessed I was to have that type of thing until I kind of grew up and realized how, how fortunate I had been to, to learn from, from my father and from his, in, his wisdom and, and teachings and how it was so deeply ingrained in me, um, because I'd been taught it my whole life. So it's kind of the life we knew, but we were a normal family, like any other, we had our trials and struggles and you know in fighting all all the normal things that families have, but we also were very much united and together as a family
0: as you grew up, and you know i'm I'm sure you know when you went away to college, you had some experiences and people that influenced your life and um after after college, after university. Where did you begin your career, your professional life? Yeah, well, I worked for a while
1: in real estate development, Dallas, Texas, with the Trammell Crow Company, a big real estate developer, and and uh, and they were one of the great companies, especially at that time, that that was uh, really focusing not only on on you know doing good in their professional work, uh, developing real estate. And they 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 they'd build these uh, warehouses and big office buildings and the like, but they focused on also building a great culture, a great team, a great place to work for people, and also a place that brought out the best in people. and they were known for that. They were one of the early companies on those hundred best you know best places to work and 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 uh, really build an extraordinary culture. so that was a great opportunity kind of to learn there and to see the value of, of being part of a High trust team and the high trust culture, and then I they also did a short stint um, on Wall Street, <laughs> and I realized that that was exciting, but it wasn't for me to I, it wasn't what I wanted to do. But it was very exciting work. And then I kind of came, I, I did an MBA, uh, Harvard Business School. Then I came, I came, and I said, you know what? Um, my I, this was right before my father had published the Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. And I just really felt like this book is going to impact a lot of people because I'd been taught it my whole life. Now it's going to come out. And I said, I, I want to be a part of this. So I ended up kind of going and joining my, my father and his work uh, before the seven habits was published with the idea that that uh, we have a chance here to, to change the world. <laughs> okay. And, and I uh, really then became part of that. And, and ultimately became our, our CEO and built and grew that organization to, to really, uh, operate all around the world. Today, we're in some 150 countries. And, you know, teaching these principles of leadership, starting with, you know, personal leadership, starting with yourself. That, you know, everyone's a leader. It's not just kind of the boss type of thing, but the idea that leadership is a choice, not a position. So everyone can lead. You lead your life. You lead in relationships. You lead in your home and on teams and in your community, as well as at work.
0: How did you get so involved with the concept of trust you know i i want to put this in context of you know when when i've taught leadership one of the foundational pieces of uh leadership is effective communication and you have to have that effective communication to build trust in the team so trust has always been a big part of what i teach and of course, I've referenced your work and, and your father's work, and, and it's, I don't know, it's pretty awesome to have you on the show, but how, I mean, I mean it seems pretty, you know, common sense, but there's, there's still a need
1: to teach it. There is a need to teach it, and you're exactly right, Dave. It is common sense, but it's not common practice. Right. And, and um, so everyone knows trust is important. But even so, I think we're underestimating how important by a factor of 10, maybe by a factor of 100. Mm-hmm. It is that important. It, everything is, is founded and based on trust. And if you take away trust, take, a, take take trust out of a relationship. That's a lousy relationship. You can't trust each other. Take trust out of a team. No longer are you a team, you're just a group of people working on a project. Take trust out of an organization and a culture, and then it just becomes this hierarchical command and control environment that, that uh, where there's just people just barking orders, but, but there's no real empowerment. There's no real inspiration operating and you're not tapping into the potential, the capabilities, you're not collaborating, you're not innovating. You can't do those things without trust. You don't collaborate without trust. You don't innovate without trust. And and, and uh, so we kind of know it, but we often don't demonstrate it and apply it. And and, and so that was one of the learnings is, and how I got tra- attracted to trust is that we merged our company, Covey Leadership Center with Franklin Quest, our arch competitor. So these, you know, two competitors are now combined and we didn't trust each other, not because we'd done bad things in the new company, but we just came at it from a competitive stance. And so the starting point was kind of a little suspicion instead of trust for each other. And everything slowed down. Everything cost more. Everything was politicized and interpreted because of the lack of trust. And and the value of the merger that was was being diminished and diluted. I call it taxed. And then we said, you know what? We got to trust each other. And we became intentional and deliberate. And we behaved our way into trust with each other. We built a high trust team, high trust culture. And then everything changed the other direction. We can move faster, less cost, greater creativity, innovation, engagement, commitment, inspiration. And we focused better on our customers in the marketplace. And I kind of came away from that experience saying there is a high cost to low trust. And there's an extraordinary impact and return to high trust. And Trust is learnable because we went from low trust to high trust when we focused on it intentionally. And so that's really a big part of my work is that trust is a learnable skill. It's something you can build and create and grow on purpose if you understand it. And so my first book, The Speed of Trust, was all about how to build that trust. And now this new follow-on, Trust and Inspire, is how to use trust as a better way to lead. Trust and inspiration you know, being a better way to lead today that people respond to. So that's really my story is I, I started off on the business side, running my my father's business. But then when I found my voice around trust, that this is a big idea that at one level is common sense, but at another level, we're still underutilizing this under, you know, undervaluing this by at least by 10 times, if not more. And we got to get good at this. And when we do, everything changes. And I said, aha, I found what I want to talk about. And then I kind of shifted my career to do more, more, what my father did to write and to speak on this topic of trust and trust and inspire.
0: You mentioned when you had that merger, there there was a lack of trust. How, I'm very curious how you were able to uh, build trust. Were there some concrete steps that you took that other organizations can take to to Absolutely. build build that trust?
1: Yeah, and we kind of stumbled our way into this, but then we learned some things, and that's what it ultimately became the speed of trust. So it included things like this that we had to kind of step back and acknowledge that there was low trust, and that's kind of hard to acknowledge. And then to say, well, do we want trust? Yes. So we had to declare our intent that we want to trust each other. We can have a better company. We can enjoy it more. We'll do better for everyone if we can trust each other. And then each of us had to kind of look in the mirror and say, rather than pointing the finger at everybody else and saying, it's your fault. What we needed to do is look in the mirror and say, I've got to go first. I need to model it. And so and I, and I feel like it started with me that I needed to model how to build trust and and um by by giving to others a person that they could trust so I tried to be really open and transparent and and uh, just say look I have no hidden agenda here it's an open agenda and and uh, so I'd be very become very transparent even vulnerable I had to really talk truthfully always and I never I never tried to lie or anything like that but But people might feel like I may be withholding things and I tried to be as open and as truthful and honest and straightforward as possible. I tried to also really get good at listening with the intent to understand and then demonstrating respect for what I heard. tried to clarify expectations because so often trust is broken because people have different expectations. I tried to be accountable and practice accountability, to take responsibility, to own it, to look in the mirror, start with myself. But I also had to learn to extend trust, to give it. Because one of the best ways to build trust is is simply to give trust. When you give it, people receive it and they return it. But when you withhold it, other people tend to withhold it too. The point is I had to learn to behave my way into trust. Just like you can behave your way out of it. You can behave your way back into it. And that's what I needed to do, others needed to do, we needed to do it collectively. And, and, uh, and it was from that whole experience of learning that trust is a function of your credibility and your behavior. And while you might start with low trust or medium or high, wherever you might start, that doesn't define where you can end up. You can, you can move the needle on trust. Maybe you just start with it low, but you can t- intentionally behave your way into higher trust. It takes some time, has to be sincere. That's why your credibility matters, your intention, but you can build trust on purpose if you behave your way into it. And you get enough people doing that, you can do it as a team and as a culture. And that's what happened. And it changed everything. And we came out of that saying, trust matters enormously and you can build trust on purpose if you know it, understand how you build it through credibility and behavior. And that's
0: where the speed of trust was born. One of the things that you mentioned earlier was the like command and control piece, where that yeah. is very common in a lot of organizations. And it's the mentality that the leadership has that, I mean, it's the way that they learned, but it doesn't do much to foster that trust. It's- right. Yeah, just kind of. I use command and control as
1: just a catch-all phrase to capture the idea of kind of just hierarchical, top-down, barking out the orders type of of uh, leadership that maybe had a had its time and place. <laughs> you know, right. you know, it was kind of how we came out of the industrial revolution and we we learned scientific management and that was helpful because we gained efficiency. It's just that we've evolved as, as people and as a society. And, and, um, um, and so it's not necessarily the best way to bring the, you know, the best out in people is it just to tell them what to do instead let's involve them and let's look at this together. Let's do this with each other. And, and, um, and, and let's build agreements together. And then we can also even build a process for accountability together. We can empower people. And we can trust them. And they do, they perform better when they're trusted. They actually come up with, with solutions and ideas that maybe we wouldn't have known about before on our own. And they and um and they reciprocate and return the trust back. And it becomes more of a virtuous upward spiral. So, but the old model is command and control. And still, for all our progress, the the, the data shows that still about nine out of 10 organizations operate predominantly from a more command and control style of leadership, then they do what I call trust and inspire. In contrast to command and control, where you you see the potential and the greatness in people, and you're trying to unleash it instead of control it. Where you see people as whole people, meaning a, a body, heart, mind, spirit. So you're trying to inspire people, not just motivate them. See, command and control is just operates on motivation only, which is in, you know, external, extrinsic. So it's heavy carrot and stick, just rewards. There's nothing wrong with that. We need rewards. It's just not complete. There's more, you know, people do want to be paid. We need to be fair, but they also want to, they have a heart. So they want to care and belong and connect. And they have a mind. So they want to grow and develop. They have a spirit. They want to contribute and add value, make a difference and have significance. So we can go beyond just motivation through pay into inspiration by tapping into what's inside of people and into the desire for purpose and contribution. So that's that's more tapping into the greatness in people. That's trust and inspire that you'll never get with just commanding and controlling people. Um, You won't get the innovation. You won't get the collaboration. And then today, people have so many choices and options because of, you know, Remote work, hybrid work—you can live here, work there. But also, these younger generations coming up, Gen Z, Alpha generation, um, where they're not going to tolerate a lot of the command and control things that some of us older people grew up with and saw just as the way that people did it. You know, that doesn't work very well today. And and then people have there's so many um, so much change going on. And command and control is not going to be very relevant or effective in this new world of work. So most people are becoming clear that command and control doesn't work as well today. They're less clear on what we need to move toward. That's why with this new book, Trust and Inspire, I'm trying to name it, describe it, the new kind of leadership that is needed in a new world of work. And I'm just, you know, doing it in juxtaposition to the old bottle, command and control, trust and inspire such a better way to lead seeing the greatness in people and starting with that in mind, trying to unleash it. That's the idea.
0: Now you're talking about, you know, this new age of technology and uh, you know, you've, you've touched on AI and uh, how, how does that impact a culture of trust? Injecting artificial intelligence into the workplace.
1: Yeah. I think it's going to have a lot of implications. And I think it's going to put an even greater premium on what makes us distinctly human. Because, you know, there's going to be a lot of great things and then potential, you know, potential um, uh, stumbling blocks or roadblocks as well that could get in the way where it all becomes... Um, uh, external and, and, um, and we need to tap into what's uniquely human, which is um, a sense of connection and a sense of caring and belonging, but also even conscience. And, and, um, and, and so that uh, um, we, we have, you know, we, we, as humans, we are program, programmers, not programs. And so we can write the program and we can rewrite a program. We can rescript ourselves. We have the ability to have self-awareness, stand back and, and look at what's you distinctly and uniquely us and say, this is not me. I can shift who I am and who I want to become, chart my own course, but also make that connection, that human connection through a sense of caring and belonging. Because not only do we want to trust people We also want to inspire them. And and some people might say, well, you know, I'm not charismatic. I, I, I can't inspire people. I make the point that charisma and inspiration are different. There are some people I know who are charismatic, but who are not inspiring at all. There's other people who no one would describe as charismatic, but who are extraordinarily inspiring. Why? Because of who they are as a person. Again, them being distinctively human, who they are and how they connect with people, how they care and how they tap into purpose, into meaning and the contribution, how their intent is to bring out the best in others and help them see their potential. Those are the things that are distinctive, distinctively human that we need to tap deeper into. So I think in the age of uh, artificial intelligence, it's going to put a greater premium on tapping into what is distinctively human. And that includes
0: trust and it includes inspiration. What would you say to say a, a leadership group that is trying to rebuild trust where maybe there was an adversarial relationship with the teams that they're leading? Yeah. How do you repair that trust if it's been damaged? Yeah, it's a hard thing to repair,
1: to restore trust, but I do believe it's possible in most situations. I will acknowledge there might be some situations where maybe it's not gonna happen just because of the, it could be the very nature of the loss of trust. How, how was it lost? And I talk about the need for both character and competence to build trust. And it's harder to restore trust when there's been a loss of trust on the character side, you know, a complete lack of integrity, dishonesty and the like that's harder. And, and, um, then maybe say someone not delivering, you're not being capable on the competent side. That's maybe a little easier to restore if, if you're able to fill in those competence backs harder on the character side, but also, the nature of the relationship might just be transactional. Maybe people have moved on and you don't have a chance to rebuild it. Mm. Or maybe you're not given the, the opportunity. Both parties, both parties need to be willing to restore trust. The one that lost it and the, one that, the, the other party that gives them the chance to do it. Or maybe they both lost it. Are they both willing to restore it? So let me just acknowledge up front that sometimes there might be some situations where restoring trust isn't going to happen. But I think that's the minority of cases. I think in majority of cases, you have a chance to rebuild it, to reestablish it, to restore it. If you're willing to behave your way back into trust. So here's the key principle, Dave. You can't talk your way out of a problem that you behave your way into. So if I've lost someone's trust because of my behavior, Words alone won't get it back. No. The only way, the only way I'm gonna get it back is I gotta behave my way back into trust, just like I behaved my way out of it. And so I'm gonna have to own it, take responsibility. And and I'm gonna be have to be, you know, accountable for it. You know, not pointing the finger and saying, hey, it's their fault that we lost trust or, you know, his fault, her fault. No, I gotta say, I own this. I'm responsible. And then I've got to right the wrong. that might include making an apology. It might might include making restitution, which is a legal term to to make whole, make it right. Then I've got to clarify expectations going forward of what I'm going to try to do to regain, to reestablish, to re-earn the trust that I've lost. I'm going to tell him what I'm going to do to try to regain it. Then the most important step is now I've got to do what I just said I was going to do. I've got to keep those commitments. I've got to behave my way back into trust just like I behave my way out of it. I think if someone is willing to kind of do that, that you can restore it. And so if, I, if I'm a leader of a team and there's low trust in the team, I might say, team, we got a trust issue and I'm gonna own this and take responsibility. And I wanna behave my way into greater trust with you. So here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna to try to go first. I'm gonna to try to model this. Help me. Hold me accountable. I'll try to do it for myself, but I'm gonna to try to give to you a leader you can trust, a person of character and competence. I'm gonna do my very best. And I'm gonna to try to behave my way into it. Help me do it. Work with me on this. It's it'll be a better team if we can trust each other. And I'm gonna go first. See, that's if someone owns it like that, if I'm a member of that team, I'm far more apt to give that person a chance. But if someone comes at it and says, hey, we got low trust in the team, and you know what? it's all you guys' fault. You're doing everything wrong. You're not behaving. you know That person is not looking in the mirror, owning it themselves, then people might resist and and fight you. But when you lead out as a leader and go first, then people are more likely to give you a chance and work with you. And then when you do what you say you're gonna do, the trust starts to go up and you behave your way back into trust. So I think it's possible. I've seen it happen um, time and again, not easy, But it's possible if you're willing to behave your way back into it that's the key
0: for somebody that is you know their their primary mode of operation is the command and control Mm -hmm. what would you say to them to you know get them to just try the trust and inspire route yeah Um, the benefits of it are huge but if they're not I mean, is there a way that you can uh, explain it to them where they see the value? Yeah, it's a great question. And I think
1: that that help helping people become more and more aware of a better way to lead and that the old model, the command and control, is not going to work as well. Maybe it's worked in the past, but like Marshall Goldsmith says, what got us here won't get us there. And maybe command and control worked, yesterday but it's probably not going to work as well today if you can help people see that and so it might be things like like okay yes let's look at our results but let's also look at our culture how are our engagement scores are they going up or going down how's our retention of people are we losing talent are we losing people yes there's you know that's a challenge everywhere but are we maybe losing more people than the average in the industry and I've seen many organizations where that's happening and, and there's a talent drain because people, I like to put it this way, people don't want to be managed, but people do want to be led. They want to be trusted. They want to be inspired. And when someone's just command and control, um, gosh, I've got choices and options. If I feel like I'm being micromanaged by someone, I'm going to go elsewhere. Someone who believes in me and trusts me, where I feel inspired. And so you'll lose talent. You lose people. How innovative are you? Are you getting innovation? Because if there's no trust, no inspiration, you're not going to innovate. How collaborative are you? So I'd look at kind of all these things and say, you know, what if we could become more of this? So um, and maybe one of the best ways to show that is to find a model or an example of a trust and inspire leader, especially if kind of the world that others know is just command and control. It's what they were they, they grew up with, it's what they know, it's what they're good at. Well, let's show a model of trust and inspire. And maybe how they're getting results, maybe the same results, maybe better, but also they're growing their people, they're retaining their people, more collaborative, they're more innovative. If I can find a model that says, Oh, there's a better way to do this. I also want to know if I'm trying if I'm command and control that that this trust and inspire is not just soft and weak Thanks. and fluffy, that it's actually going to work, going to get results. And so it's important that you focus on, on building the agreement together so that there's still control in it. Cause a lot of people say, Hey, I'd like to do this. I just got to make sure the job gets done. And you know, I can't, I, I don't want to lose control and I want to make sure we deliver cause I'm responsible. Well, if they can see that trust and inspire is not some laissez-faire, hands-off approach of just saying, I I trust everyone, do what you want. No, that's that's abdicate and abandon. (laughs) Trust and inspire is really a third alternative of, of saying, let's build an agreement together around the expectations, the results that we want. We'll talk about guidelines and resources. And then we'll also talk about being accountable to achieving those results. Let's build the agreement together. But then I can, with that agreement, empower someone. But the agreement has expectations and accountability built in so that I haven't lost control. I've just shifted it from me having to hover over and micromanage someone to an agreement with expectations and accountability built into the agreement that we build together. They feel empowered. They feel trusted. But I also feel like there's still control. It's in the agreement. And I make sure the job is done because they're having they're reporting back against the agreement we built together. But they feel empowered and they're still control. Here's the interesting thing: the data shows that that people perform better that way, three times better. And they also grow and develop. They're happier. Mm. There's greater well-being. They're more likely to stay. And and um, and the engagement goes up, the well-being goes up, the happiness and they perform better and we haven't lost control and so if if i understand that it's a, it's a shift and and you know and people would like to go to trust inspire they're just wanting to make sure it still works and that it's not just some soft abdication and that that they can still get the results cuz they're responsible and what when they find that not only do you get the results you get better results and the people are happier and you still have control it's just a different type of control it's shifted from you to the agreement where the person feels empowered then suddenly they say hey maybe there really is a better way to lead maybe i can do this and change can i give you one example of this yeah absolutely yeah so ralph stayer he was the uh, founder ceo of johnsonville sausage you know they the sausage company they're i think the biggest in the united states they they make, this, they make sausage. <laughs> and and uh, you know the expression, no one wants to see how the, sausages, how the sausage is made. Well, they're the ones that make it. So Sausage Company, great company, great culture. But you know what? He did a metamorphosis, a transformation. He was a command and control leader, a good one, an enlightened command and control leader. He cared about people and this and that, but he just, he made every decision. And, and uh, you know, very hierarchical, top-down, And he just felt like he had to be involved. But he realized over time that people would come in and they weren't growing. They weren't developing. And he started to see that while he was getting results, they were starting to fade and and he was losing talent and he wasn't developing it and they weren't as happy. And he realized that he was the problem, that he still was trying to make every decision and that he didn't trust his people enough he didn't empower him enough and so he kind of had this awakening that he had to shift his style and he really moved from command and control to a trust and inspire type of approach of believing in people empowering them inspiring them by connecting through caring and belonging and through purpose and he literally transformed his style and and um and it to the point that here's how, how they describe their purpose. He says, he says, most companies, the business exists, you know, to, um, or the people exist to grow the business. He said, but at Johnsonville, our company exists to grow the people. He's almost done a 180, saying we're all about growing people and the people feel that they're valued and that their growth and development is, is the most important thing and they perform better. So the irony is not only are the people growing, they're getting better results and performance than ever before. And the leader is the one that led the shift. He transformed himself. I just was with another leader, Brian Deepice, with uh, um, uh, uh, Tizenkrupp, North American Materials, big supplier company. And he also has gone from command and control to trust and inspire. Because again, we are not our style. We can change our style. We can re-script. We're human. And he's done that. And And maybe command and control worked in the past, but it's not going to work very well in a new world of work. And he's become a trust-inspired leader and is bringing out the best in others. And they're performing better because of it. So it's possible to re-script. But I, I don't downplay that it's easy. Or, you know, that, or that, or excuse me, that, that it's hard. It is hard. And, and, uh, but I believe it's possible when people see a model that they, and, and, and recognize that, that it's not about losing control. It's just shifting this. And that there's actually a better way of doing it when they can see and experience those benefits, they'll make the, le- the leap,
0: they'll make the shift. One of the things that you said earlier was, you know, to, to gain trust, you've got to give trust. And from that, it reminded me of something that I taught when, you know, I was teaching firefighters, you know, if you want to grow your power, you've got to give it away, you have to empower the people that you're leading, but the root of that is the trust, you have to have trust in your people, and they have to trust you to accept that power, that you're not going to hover over them or whatever, uh, whatever they're afraid of, they they need to trust you, and you've got to trust them. And so that is awesome. I I never really put that connection together. That's beautiful, Dave.
1: That's what you're doing with what you're doing in that leadership approach, and what you did with firefighters. That is, you know, you that the, you give away power. That's truly empowering. That's you know that's where empowerment comes from. Right. Giving power, but. The premise of it is trust. If you really don't trust people, you're truly not empowering them because ultimately they'll feel disempowered because you don't trust them. You're hovering over, you're micromanaging, you're controlling them at the end of the day and they won't feel empowered and you haven't given away your power. And that takes an abundance mentality, a mindset that there's enough for everyone and that when you give away power, it actually doesn't diminish you at all. It just grows them. And and then in essence also grows you. And you, in a sense, have more power. You're more, more influenced with people. And so, but trust, you're right. It's at the foundation of it. And the same thing works with trust. You give it away to get it, to earn it or to grow it. Um, I was with, um, I, I did an event with, um, a FEMA federal emergency management agency and, and, uh, The current FEMA administrator, Deanne Criswell, she told me this in preparation for the event. She said that for her, her starting point with people is that she starts with trust until proven otherwise. And she said, trust is automatic. You have my full trust. It's yours to lose. And, and, And the point is that, you know, I mean, here they are trying to solve disasters and all around um, this country and they got to come in, they got to move fast. And there's a speed to trust. And if you don't trust people and give trust to people and say, Hey, I don't trust you until you prove that I can, we can't move fast enough to respond to the needs in front of us. So her starting point is I trust you. We hire winners here in FEMA. We hire great people worthy of trust, deserving trust. So I start with trust. It's yours to lose. It's automatic. I tell You tell me I shouldn't. And by giving that trust and telling people that she trusts them, they trust her right back, but they also rise to the occasion. They perform better and and it becomes this virtuous upward spiral. So we got to give it to get it. And the job of the leader is to go first. Someone needs to go first. Leaders go first. So that's what I would say to our listeners. If you want to increase trust in a relationship, be the first to give trust. And yes, we want to be both trustworthy but we also want to be trusting and it's vital that we model both because you know, the interesting thing, Dave, is it's possible to have two trustworthy people working together and yet have no trust between them, even though they're both trustworthy, if neither person is willing to give trust to the other. So if we want to have trust in a relationship, on a team, in a culture, If trust is the outcome we want, to get that, yes, we have to be trustworthy. We earn that. That's our character. That's our competence. That's who we are. We got to be trustworthy, but it's not enough to only be trustworthy. It is necessary, but insufficient to be trustworthy in order to have trust. We also need to be trusting. And that's the idea that trust is given. Got to be willing to give it. So trust is both earned and given. And our job as a leader is to go first in both. Go first by showing that we model the trustworthiness that we'd like to have and like others to have. We model it, we go first, and we model the extension of trust, the giving of trust, the being willing to trust others, like Minister Criswell starts with trust with all of her people as a starting point. It's a
0: better starting point. Absolutely. Absolutely. this has been great. What an awesome conversation. Now, Trust and Inspire is available. Where's the best place for people to purchase your book?
1: Yeah, Amazon, um online stores, but let me say this. Go go to uh trustandinspire.com. Trustandinspire.com and the and is spelled out A N D. And what you'll find there is um is you can order the book off that site. That will take you to Amazon or to barnesandnoble.com, wherever you like to buy it. But also there's tools there, there's videos, there's resources. You can go deeper with some of these ideas. Um, and and uh, there's a lot of value there. And, th- and you know, this is such a, a real, it's, it's both aspirational, but practical. The whole trust and inspire of saying, look, this is a better way to lead. That's the aspirational part. Because who you know who doesn't want to be trusted, and who doesn't want to be inspired? We all do. It's just that we also got to make sure we got to get the job done, and we can't lose control. And so that's the practical part of absolutely. We got to build the agreement together with expectations, with accountability, and and um, and then we are you know how we're we going to inspire. We got to learn how we can inspire because it's not charisma; it's connecting with people through a sense of caring and belonging, and then connecting people to purpose and the meaning and the contribution. So they see what's in it for them and how they're, they're overlapping. I'm reminded of the John F. Kennedy, um, you know, this is 60 years ago when when he said, you know, we're trying to put a man in the room and return him home by the end of the decade. That was the idea of the race is in space. and uh, But that mantra was everywhere. And he visited a NASA facility in Florida like a year into this, and he comes across the janitor and he asked the janitor, President Kennedy asked the janitor, what do you do? And the janitor says, I'm working on putting a man on the moon and returning him home in the next decade. You know, the vision, the purpose had gotten down to the janitor. Everyone was working for the purpose. That taps into inspiration so everyone can inspire by tapping into purpose and meaning and contribution and connecting to people. And so there's some, just some tools at trustinspire.com that will help you do that. That's what the book is all about. And the point is, this is both an aspirational way to lead, a better way to lead, but it's also the most practical and important way to lead today. And you can get good at this as a leader, no matter where you are, even if you've been heavy command and control, most of us have, we can, you can transition and shift and become and transform yourself into trust inspire.
0: Stephen, thank you so much for joining me today to share so much with the audience, and uh, thank you so much for the book. Uh, you're welcome. Yeah, no, this is uh, this has been great. Uh, I'm I'm full. My cup is full. Thank you. <laughs>
1: That's wonderful. Thank you so much. I appreciate it, David. I love what you're doing, and this podcast and the influence you're having. Uh, you're a trust-inspire leader yourself. And and uh, and it's the purpose of this podcast. It's really you believe in your, your listeners, their potential. In a sense, you're trusting them. And I believe inspiring them. So love what you're doing and really honored to be with you and with your listeners today. And I wish you all every success. We need this kind of leadership in our world today. Amen. We need it in our homes, in our communities, in our society. And someone needs to go first. And I think each of us can be that person. To go first in our world. So thank you, Dave.
0: Thank you for listening to this episode of From Embers to Excellence. Please visit hollenbachleadership.com for additional content and don't forget to like, subscribe, and leave a review.